Thanks for downloading this IMSA Radio podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by visiting imsaradio.com or search for IMSA Radio wherever they get their podcasts. Racing on America's classic circuits. This is IMSA Radio. Very, very warm welcome, literally as well as metaphorically, to Sebring International Raceway. It's 29 Celsius in the air and about the same on the track. This venerable old raceway started its life as a B-17 bomber training base. And in fact, it's going to be re, uh, renamed or at least... Uh, once again, brought back into the historical terms with Hendricks Field being rededicated on Wednesday. That was the word I was looking for. Uh, on Wednesday of race week. We're here for some racing as well as the WEC prologue. 30 cars on the grid for rounds three and four of the IMSA VP Racing Sports Car Challenge at the front of the grid. Bijoy Garg, who absolutely dominated the first race despite a late race full course caution, has Dan Goldberg, who was the championship leader, coming into this weekend alongside him. Antonio Saravale and Courtney Crone, great second best qualifying lap for Courtney. She finds herself on the outside of row number two. Then it's Brian Themes and Lance Wilsey, Keith, McGo- Keith McGovern, who had a late race drama that dropped him down the field on the very last lap of the first race. Neil Scott, John Branson and Adrian Kunzel and Jonathan Woolrich, who had an awful first lap uh, last time around and uh, got lapped because he came into pits. Actually, after that, he's... His pace was pretty good. That's your 11P. Three cars split between Ligier and Duquesne. Need Norma, of course. It's Gregory Leofouge on pole position again. Snatched defeat from the jaws of victory, really. Well, he didn't. He's having some front tyre issues towards the end, and that uh, late race caution didn't help the Stephen Cameron Racing BMW M4. Luca Mars, the number 59 car, first race winner here, starts on the outside of the front row. Francis Seldorf. For Turner Motorsport as Moise Oreski for company on row two. Then it's Frank Depew who's been turning his fastest laps ever here for Rebel Rock Racing in the Chevy Camaro in its last season of competition. Sebastian Carrazo in sixth. On the fourth row, Rob Walker for Autotechnic Racing and Sean Quinlan are on position number eight. Pat Wilmot and Todd Coleman make up the top ten. And once again, we have got... The 45 minutes on the clock. It's John Heindorf joined by Greg Kramer in the IMSA Global Broadcast booth. You had a quick run down the paddock uh, over the uh, the lunch or the, uh, the period between races. Greg, what have you found out? Well, uh, just a couple of key things. One of them was, as you said, that uh, Gregory Leifouge had that little bit of a tire deg issue on the front tires, and that allowed Mars to be able to run him down. Then he got just held up a little bit by traffic in turn one uh, on that last lap, and Mars was able to lay a beautiful pass on him down in a turn three, and uh, Leifouge just could not counter that at all at this stage. Uh, talk to Lance Wilsey. Lance, I love the refreshing honesty. Um, when I was chatting with him, he said, uh, the car's great. He said, 
they the team tested here a couple of weeks ago. They handed me a car here that's fast, it's comfortable, and he said, I gotta up my game. He said, The car is up to it. I've gotta up my game and he said, I didn't come here to run fourth. No. So he's no. pretty serious in uh in his attack here for sure. I wanna talk about Billy Griffin as well once yeah. we get the race underway in that core motorsports Ford Mustang GT four. He did not have a good practice and qualifying coming to the line. For the second time today, here we go. Green flag in hand. Let's see them come by as they'll go from our left to right. Wind behind them into turn one. That could be a bit tricky for the prototypes when they have to break. Very slow speed. But Joy Garg bringing them in that Junior 3 racing car. Nice and gently. Still waiting for the green flag to go airborne. Waiting for the call from Race Control. Good afternoon if you're joining us here at Sebring International Raceway. I can hear the engines and the green flags in the air for round four of the VP Racing Fuel Sports Car Challenge. Second race of the weekend here at Sebring. Pretty steady start. Not sure that the pool sitter was able to defend there. Dan Goldberg trying to go around the outside as the race kicks off and they head down towards turns three and four. We'll see them again as they come out underneath the Corvette Bridge. We won't be able to do this during the week because the midfield area will be absolutely packed, Greg. But for the moment, we'll see them coming out underneath that Corvette Bridge. And there they are. That's Goldberg. And that is Goldberg who's got to the front of the field. So that's a very decent start from him. I thought it just looked like our pool sitter, Bijan Karg, was a little bit tardy coming to the green flag. Yeah, Dan was obviously right up alongside him, timed it really well, nosed ahead, and I think what happened, that outside line through one is quicker, and uh, Dan's held his his station there, and I think BJ had to just check up a little bit. Dan was then able to turn in and just sort of uh, fly around the outside and obviously made it stick. So the, the Bronze Cup winner from the first race, the points leader overall coming in here, uh, showing why he's up in that category, up into the front. I thought he drove a very sensible race, Dan Goldberg, in that, in that first time of asking. Yes, he got a couple of times when he closed the gap down, but he didn't seem to be working the car overly hard. He knew he came in with a decent lead in the points. This is, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm -hmm. We've got six double-header rounds that go right through to Motul Patilamon at the, the end of the season. You don't want to wad the car up at this stage and, and give away the points that he, he clearly was going to pick up in that first race. Absolutely. I mean, think big picture always. But I think the other part of that, John, was, you know, you have these races. If you go out hard, and yes, BJ was uh, – we got a yellow? We yes, do. We Full course caution. Yeah, and it is the uh, – there's two cars off the circuit at, uh, I think, just – Beyond turn seven at the moment, car number 86 is one of them, and that is uh, Neil Scott in the Kelly Moss with Riley car. And I think the 54 Edwin Kunzley car, the MLT Motorsports car, was involved as well. We'll see as they come through. So the grey and blue is leading, and that is Dan Goldberg from Bijoy Grag for Junior 3. Antonio Saravalli had a decent start as well in third for Mulner. Then it's Wilsey, Keith McGovern, Brian Thienes, John Brownson, Jonathan Woolridge. Right, what happened to Courtney then? She's gone down. Courtney Groen may be involved as well ah. with that Neil Scott and Adam Kunzlet incident. And that will be looked at post-race. 
she had a little something that went wrong during that first race too because she qualified well she was up front and then just started dropping back i was watching the lap times and suddenly she was up to two seconds off uh the people around her uh, per lap so something just just went adrift with that car gregory leofish didn't have the best opening lap either i wonder if he was held up as we've got recovery vehicles heading towards the scene of the accident here. I wonder if he was held up because going through there at reduced speed in front of us, Luca Mars, the core motorsport winner of that first race, has gone through ahead of Sebastian Carrazzo. That's another Kelly Moss with Riley, but that, of course, is the Porsche GT4 RS Club Sport. Then Moise Oretsky for accelerating performance. Frank Depew is up to fourth position what a start. in the swan song season for the Chevy Camaro GT4 for Rebel Rock Racing. Talk to Frank and to his long-time driving and uh, team partner, uh, Robin Liddell at Daytona. That car is exactly the same in spec and uh, how it's prepared to the car that they run in the Michelin Pilot Challenge. The idea of Frank being in this championship is for him to get more time in the car to feel how the car is when it's on low tanks as well as when it's on high tanks, and to build his confidence, and it's working. It is, clearly. It's an absolutely brilliant start from where he qualified uh, to be up at the sharp end of things. And, you know, Leia Fu, she may simply have been caught out with uh, the pileup going down into turn one when the compression comes, and uh, he clearly got swamped down there. Uh, just to, to underline how... This is working for Frank Depew. Greg Leofuch, by the way, is, is in fifth position behind Frank. Um, he has gone faster every session that the cars have been on track. And in that first race, he had the third fastest race lap, uh, only bettered by the first and second finishes, Luca Mars and Gregory Leofuch. So that, that's working. That tactic is work. They've got three chassis. And Robin Liddell told me with hand on heart, and I've known Robin for a very, very long time, and he's, he's a very honourable man. He looked me straight in the eye and said, I've driven all three of those, and I promise you I can't tell the chassis apart. They've all, they've all aged at roughly the same rate. He <laughs> yeah. said they all feel the same, and if we set them up the same, that means Frank gets the absolute right kind of feedback from the car that he can use when he gets into it in the Michelin Pilot Challenge. And we'll, of course, see that here in this coming week with a, a two-hour contest where those cars will be out. The cleanup continues. Uh, we do have uh, Courtney Crohn's come into the pits, and we do have a warning for the number 65 car for lining up on the wrong side of the grid. That was Tim Probert who had a difficult first rate for Murillo Racing. He was in and out of the pits, um, and we think it was his bonnet, his hood, that caused the full course caution, because the last time that he came in, I could see bits of that AMG engine from our vantage point here that we weren't supposed to. Yeah, that happened over in turn seven. He was having a good dice with Sebastian Carrazzo, and uh, Vinny Barletta was in that mix as well, and uh, Tim told me, he said, he's been really good through turn seven, and he said he wanted the run ah. on Vinny and, and Sebastian to do something up into ten, and then uh, Vinny had to overslow a little bit, and he said, I was so close. It was, he said it was on me, but he whacked him, and he said the hood popped up. It knocked the front end awry, and he said after that, the car just wasn't great. He said if the Marillo guys could get it back to what it was like before the contact, and you know that Marillo team's pretty savvy, uh, he said I'll be happy because it was a good car. Well, they know how to put good cars together. Let's be absolutely brutally honest about that. 
at the sharp end of pretty much everything they run. At IMSA Radio, if you want to get in touch with us, that'll get you through to our global broadcast centre here. Uh, no representative fast laps at the moment because we did not complete lap one under green. We went straight to full course yellow. And that is where we sit at the moment behind the safety car. It was interesting. You talking about Frank Depew. Clearly, he's exercising whatever demons he had here at Sebring. That's the problem for Billy Griffin is he has not been able to exercise those demons. I went and talked to him. I mean, he he swept everything at Daytona except one fast lap. Just an amazing run. Comes here, he's 18th in practice, 18th uh, on the starting grid. And I went and talked to him. He said, you know how some drivers have a love-hate relationship with a track? He said, unfortunately, mine's just hate-hate. It, it, I hate, cannot. Hate, more hate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And he said, I've raced here a number of times. He's done NASA in American Iron. He said, it's always been in, in, in Mustangs. He's had a car burned to the ground. He's been involved in wrecks that weren't necessarily of, of his doing. And he said, I like a car here a little softer setup and he said in this car he said i'm at the absolute edge of the envelope with the soft setup and he said it's slow i can't get any, any more out of it and he said i know what we have to do we have to put a stiffer setup on the car one that's more maybe attuned to the pro driver and yeah. he said i just gotta hustle it because i'm not getting the job done here so the second race for him we'll see if he's able to do it but you know we are three and four races into a 12-week race season, mm-hmm. Greg. All right, he's going to lose some points here, but the, the racetracks that are coming up, we go, we've go. we got two races in July, one north of the border at Canadian Time Motorsport Park. We've got Lime Rock Park, um, the not the following week, but the week after. So that's July 7th to 9th and July 21st to 22nd. Then we're down to Virginia International Raceway, and we finish at Michelin Raceway, Road Atlanta, Motel Patilamon, weekend. Those are more Billy circuits, aren't they? They are. I mean, he said, I love rhythm tracks. And, uh, you know, Daytona, he said, I just found the rhythm there. He said, this place, I've never been able to get it. Every one of those other venues that you mentioned that he's been to, he said, I love them. The rhythm there is great. Hasn't been to CTMP. And he looked at me, he goes, he goes, you've been there. Is that a rhythm track? And oh, I yeah. went, oh, it is It is rhythm. He's it is gonna high like speed rhythm. He's going to he like went, that. Oh, I love that. And you think about what he did at, at Daytona. Oh, yeah. All that high speed. He's going to just absolutely be enthralling to watch, I think, at, uh, at CTMP. And this series, although in its infancy, has, I think, really caught people's imagination. Uh, the amount of tweets that we've had since we said we were doing this bo- bonus coverage from the teams, but also from the fans around the world. And it, when it attracts somebody like the CEO of Ford, Jim Farley, who's <laughs> sitting in 18th at the moment, but my, what a great weekend he had at Daytona, well inside the top 10 twice. All right, he spun away a decent finish on the very last lap in one of the races. But I think he probably made the most passes of everybody because he passed people, slipped back, and then passed people again. He's out here having fun and showing off off the company, the product, but you know, 30 cars tells you all you need to know, doesn't it? Well, this is a brand new series. I mean, it you know made its debut at Daytona. The entry here is bigger than it was at Daytona. There's a following here, and this is you know sort of an interesting thing because you look at a lot of what uh, IMSA does in terms of race. It's endurance style, multiple drivers, mm-hmm. and they said that the one thing they were maybe lacking was that one driver sprint thing. But they said we want to ab- you know be able to introduce drivers to multi-class racing, and if you're going to want to run GT in the WeatherTech Championship, get you out there in a GT car and have prototype traffic around you, and vice versa. We're coming back to the green. 
We certainly are. Perfectly timed, Greg, and a very enthusiastically waved green flag. This time it's Dan Goldberg who defends to the inside in that grey and blue. JDC Motorsports to Kane, D08. Does he get to the first corner first? Let's see them disappear. We lose them just for a moment. And then they head up towards turns three and four through the trees. I think he's just managed to hold off the marauding hordes of <laughs> prototypes behind him. Let's see as he comes out. Yes, he has. And in fact, the battle is for second position as Bijoy Garg is fighting off Antonio Saravale as they'll go down into the breaking area in front of the hotel at turn seven. Lovely place to have a Sunday afternoon. Maybe had a little brunch, maybe some kind of adult beverage to go on there if you're not driving later. Very nice on the deck there at seven. At the hotel at seven. Now into the pits there was Luca Mars. Luca oh Mars in the pits. The man who won the first race here and is a championship contender, contender no doubt. Former Inamitsu Mazda MX-5 Cup runner where he was very successful. And that has left Sebastian Carrazzo in the lead. Moise Uretsky in second. Frank Depew on the podium in third. And Love Rebel it. Rock will be going absolutely ballistic for that. He's earned this as well here, Frank. Getting quicker and quicker. He went half a second. No, make that six-tenths faster than his qualifying time in that first race. So now we've got a real shootout. Gregory Leofuge, of course, he now comes up into fourth. Patrick Wilmot, fifth. Sean Quillen, sixth. Todd Coleman, seventh in the Archangel Motorsports. Aston Martin. Auto Technica Racing's Rob Walker is in ninth. Tim Probert and Rahman Abdul-Vahabi, who was struggling for a little bit of pace at the uh, first race time of asking for the first 45-minute race is now in a top 10 finish. Yeah, great run by uh, Abdul Wahabi. Of course, he's been a, a strong supporter of uh, IMSA in all of their categories for a long time. The interesting thing that I'm seeing here, I really thought that the 18 of Antonio Saravalli, he was right behind Bijoy Gard yeah. coming out of five, heading down into seven. He's lost a little bit of touch, but I don't think he's going to go quietly because this guy, he's got a pretty substantial uh, background in very quick stuff. He's done Indy Lights, Indy Pro Racing. Uh, he's really quick, and uh, he did a little bit of, uh, of the prototype racing. And I asked him, I said, so what are you thinking about? And he said, ah, oh, he said, I, I love uh, you know, racing these, uh, these prototypes, but I love open wheel too. But he said, I want to be adept at both because I want to have options. Uh, you never know what's going to happen in the career. And, uh, uh, boy, BJ is now attacking on Goldberg down into seven, isn't he? And Leofush has had a great restart. He's up to second now in GSX. Aretsky into third. Pat Wilmot fourth. Frank Depew down to fifth position. Frank fighting, but not ridiculously so. <laughs> Doing a cracking job. Sean Quinlan, Todd Coleman, Rob Walker, Tim Proman, and still Ramin Abdul Vahabi in 10th position. There's a couple of P3 cars now that are out of position. And John Brownson's trying to fight back through some of the GSX cars in the 47 Motorsports decade. He sits in 8th in class and has a couple of, in fact, the two leaders in GSX between him and the back of Jonathan Woolridge's machine. That number... Uh, that number 87 Remstar racing car that didn't have the best of races a couple of times into the pits and lost a lap, but then raced pretty well once they got that sorted out in the uh, second second portion of the race. We've still got, by the way, half an hour to go here. <laughs> Lots to go, and I'll tell you, Bijou, he, 
Tried to go up and around the outside into turn seven. Goldberg protected, but that pinched Goldberg a little bit on his entry. BJ got another great run on him up into turn 10, but once again in turn 10, uh, nice job of Goldberg. I could just see him edge right a little bit, protect that inside, and I don't think BJ was able to get him there. Now, did he get him somewhere else on the track? Well, not quite. Very close. Now, is it just me or is... uh... Antonio a bit closer he is he's just done the fastest lap and he's pulled it back down around about a second Wilsley, Thanes, McGovern, Woolridge your top seven now let's wait for the GSX cars really nice pace differential here it, it took about what 10 minutes before in the first race we saw the prototypes lapping the back of the GSX field that's going to be of course extended here because of the Safety car earlier on. There goes Carrazzo. No, it's Leofouge. Leofouge is back to the lead. And he's gone through with a fastest lap of the race. Well, whatever befell the Stephen Cameron Racing BMW in that opening stanza, he's certainly pulled it back with a string of decent laps and a great restart. Carrazzo, Wilmot Kunzlit is the P3 car in amongst that group. Then Oretsky, France. Uh, Frank Depew in fifth position, Sean Quinlan in sixth place. So a great comeback drive from what we presume was avoidance of that first lap prototype coming together down at turn seven for Gregory Leofuge. That's a that's decent. That's getting your head together, Greg, and saying, right, that's gone by. Let's just focus forward. Vastly experienced, Leofuge's, and uh, he knows how to compartmentalize and just say, all right, uh, you know, been there, done that, let's focus on, on what's coming up, and has put in a great drive. My concern for him is, remember, we talked about he had that front tire dig. Uh, he's now had to really dig deep and come up through and make lots of passes. You're offline. You're harder on the brakes. You're putting more torque into the uh, those front tires, and they can, uh, you know, certainly start to develop a bit more dig. And let's not forget, uh, Andy Lally calls this place, you have your morning goodness and then you have your afternoon uh, slipperiness and uh, sliminess, and then you get back into the evening goodness. Well, we're into that that heat of the afternoon, and it's a lot warmer out there right now than it was this morning. That, too, affects tire dig. And Bijouet getting a run, it looks like, down into turn one. Uh, we'll see if he's able to find a way as Goldberg again protecting. Yeah, went to the inside, Dan. That was smart. Now, has he been able to just squeeze back out onto the racing line we see them into turn three and four and it is still the gray car ahead so that means goldberg has held on to it they come underneath the corvette drive over bridge they're almost side by side there's not even a full carless length between them and that is allowing the third place car to get closer antonio salavale is right it, there oh, now bj's right alongside of him on the outside though john into the hairpin they turn in and uh, just because of the fact he had that inside line, Goldberg comes out. But Saravalli, while they were side by side, he's there. This is a three-car race. Going through the kinks at eight and nine, down towards the famous turn ten. That'll be the scene of some parties coming later this week. We lose them <laughs> behind the trees as they head out towards tower turn. The three prototypes still line astern. Fantastic battle at the front of the field. This is what we were hoping for. 
Bijoy Garg rather rather drove away with it in the first part of the race. He's not having it his own way this time around, Greg. He's not at all. I mean, the the first thing that the other drivers had based on Bijoy's pace here in practice and qualifying was not to let him get out front. Uh, that was accomplished with a great, great start uh, by Goldberg. And what's going to really help those, uh, you know, I think help Goldberg is if Cervalli gets up and starts racing Bijoy hard and uh, Bijoy's got to start defending a little bit, that could be what Goldberg needs to hang on, get his third win. Keep in mind, Goldberg's capable. Came in here, two wins at Daytona. 73 car then with clear track ahead. Got uh, turn 17 and the front straight before they have to worry about any traffic. Samir Gandhi in the number 93 car bomb with Peregrine Porsche uh, will be the first car that they encounter to put a lap on that hasn't had problems. Remember, Luca Mars out. Uh, and uh, Courtney Crone is pitted as well and not gone back out. Scott Neal, one of the two cars involved in that first lap, Shamozzle. And we've had a spin at turn seven as well. That was the number 14 car of Billy Griffin. He'd worked his way up to 13th position, but <sighs> Billy's hate-hate relationship has just got hatier. It has. The, the, the hate has intensified probably. And I'm wondering if that wasn't, they put that little bit stiffer setup on the car. Remember going into seven, John? Right when that pavement changes, yes. big bump. And if that can unload the car just enough, and it may have just snapped out on him there. Watching Goldberg now, uh, this time into turn seven with about a 3-4 car length over BJ Garg, and he'll be happy of that but Cervale has drifted backwards a little bit from uh, Bijoy so he can sort of just focus forward again for a while so Bijoy looking at the back of the leader at the moment new fastest lap in GSX that's Gregory Leofouge he's got the hammer down in that G82 BMW that's the most recent version of the BMW M4 GT4 the F version is out there as well that's the F82 that's the split decision motorsport among others but that's the best place one Patrick Wilmot is in third the way to remember which one is the newer is that G comes after F in the <laughs> alphabet that's what somebody said to me and, I, and I'm, I'm passing that on for, for everybody because that's the easiest oh, is it, was it the F that was the first one of the G? Uh, no it G comes after so it's the newer of the two just uh, looking as well at uh, at uh, BJB Motorsports Thomas Collingwood in 12th position he's just behind the Turner Motorsport Francis uh, Seldorf He's running Ferraris before, getting his head round a different car. Another one of the F82 BMWs for Turner Motorsports. And I'll tell you what, talking about Patrick Wilmot, uh, that split decision car, uh, when I checked in with him, he had a fabulous race in the first race, qualified 12th, finished in 6th. Mm. And I asked him about it, and he said, well, we had some setup issues on the car that we were chasing. He was much better in the race, but he said, this is the older platform. And he said that new G82, a little bit more power, a little bit wider tire, which certainly helps him. But he said, also, this chassis, we've had this for a long time, and the older a chassis gets, the more it just tends to flex. And he said, yeah. those G82s, that's just a much, you know, a much stronger, stiffer chassis, simply because it's newer, yeah. among other things. Number but seven. having a great run up into third. Number 73 leads, Dan Goldberg, JDC Motorsports. He's pulled out. It was half a second at the line. I dare say he's pulled out another couple of tenths. Uh, as he was in the first part of the, the timing section. I don't take my eyes off them in the part of the tracks where we can actually see them here. We're doing this old school. It's Greg Kramer and John Hindoff in the Global Broadcast Centre for IMSA Radio, round the circuit on the PA as well. Thanks to everybody at Sebring uh, here at Sebring International. John Story runs a fabulous team, and they 
have uh, not let him down. Everything coming together beautifully for the 1,000 miles and for the mobile uh, one, 12 hours of Sebring. And they've worked to get us on the PA. And thanks to our IMSA techs, uh, particularly to our B, uh, who set up our kit in record time uh, <laughs> over the last couple of days. And um, with a little bit of help from IMSA Technical, uh, we are connected. And Tim Gray somehow has worked his magic back at our London control room to get us on the air for these two races. Our substantive schedule for IMSA and for WEC starting on Wednesday. If you go to uh, RadioLamont.com and scroll to the bottom, the times for everything is in one place. Obviously, it will be split between IMSA Radio RS2, which is where you're listening to us now, and RS1 for the WEC. You might have to do a little bit of switcheroo on the, uh, on the player between those two channels. Through again for another lap. Three tenths of a second this time. Goldberg over Bijoy, uh, Bijoy Garg in that junior three car. The Mulner car just dropping back a wee bit, but with no real pressure from behind from Antonio Saravale. Lance Wilsey's next, and he is a dozen seconds and more behind. Well, there's a decent little battle beginning to, to bubble up there between... Lance Wilsey, Brian Thames, and Jonathan Woolridge. He's having a much better race this time around, Greg. Yeah, and also a good battle for second in the GSX division as Wilmot has closed up noticeably on Sebastian Carrazzo, the BMW, closing on that Porsche 718 GT4 RSCS. Uh, and one of the things that I think everybody's got to be a little mindful of, and again with this heat and talking about we saw you know, drivers with, you know, with tire issues in that first race, the last thing you want to do is pound your car, pace those yeah. tires, and then, with like we saw in that first race with five laps to go, suddenly have a full car's caution, and everybody behind you is being better on their tires, and you've got nothing left to fight with at yeah. the end. I wonder if Saravalli is saying, that pace right now out there just a little bit too much. There's time left in his race. I'm just going to hang back a little bit, see what happens. He, he, he was only half a second away from his best lap, so it's not as if, He's been chained to a post here. <laughs> exactly. You know, let's let's put this in perspective, and that's what Greg's saying. This, you know, if we don't, if we go full full green towards the end in the next twenty one minutes, so we're into the second half of this forty five minute race now. By the way, then Saravale might just find himself being able to push much harder, and we saw a second, sometimes more than a second. Uh, between the lap times of cars at the end of this race. Leofug with another fastest lap down to a 2.11 now, 2.11 flat at the front of the field. And he's, all of a sudden, has he found a shortcut? Because he's pulled eight seconds yeah. on the field. I mean, he eight just, seconds. He's heading into seven, and just now we see second and third coming out from under the bridge. But you can see Carrazzo, only about three car lengths clear right now of Patrick Wilmot. And I've been watching, too. It looks like Moise Uretsky is actually starting to close in yeah. on that duo. So. Can't miss that car. That's the multicolored yeah, exactly. Joseph Technicolor Dreamcoat car. And he's closing in on Pat Wilmot. And he's, I think he's dragging Frank Depew with him as well. They're both about one and a half seconds away from the cars ahead of him. Then it's Sean Quinlan, who's another 1.7 seconds further back. Another fastest lap at the front of the field as Bijoy Garg decides to get the hammer down. And he's pulled the lead down a half a second. And now we're down to, what is that, a 58.5. Yes, a 158.5. Having to look very carefully at the screen there because of the way the sun comes into the booth. And as we're looking out, and it, there's barely, in fact, I'm going to say there's not a cloud. There's a tiny little, it almost looks like a speck on the window, but it is actually a little bit of cotton wool cloud. But beautiful day here uh, in the high 20s to early 30s Celsius. So 
just under three figures in the Fahrenheit scale. It's hot. It's hot for the Michelin tyres as well. You know, everybody always talks about how the sun affects the drivers here at this track. You know, sunset down in, uh, in uh, 17 and into 7, sunrise if you're doing something early into 1. They never talk about how it affects the announcers. Because <laughs> it's blinding. And, we, you know, we got monitors. We got tech. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'll I, I tell you what. The t- I mean, it's a fair point because what we're suffering with here is what the drivers suffer with as well. So much of this track, Greg, is concrete. Yes. So it's light. It reflects light. It's like driving in a snowscape because mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's no respite for your eyes. So the moment you're trying to look at something that's slightly darker, like our timing screens, thank you, Alcamel, by the way, they're just a couple of doors away from us here in the tower on the front straight, then trying to get your eyes from the brightness of outside and all that white onto the darkness of the screens is actually quite difficult. How the drivers manage it with their instruments, by the way, I've got no clue whatsoever, even if you have got a slightly tinted visor in these closed cockpit cars. And they are all closed cockpit cars. The uh, P3s and the what are G- uh, GT4 cars. We call them GSX here. It follows the nomenclature of GS, which is what their counterparts would be in Mission and Pilot Challenge. The X for, I suppose, Express, because we're only doing 45 minutes. And the lappery is going on between the leaders and the midfield of the GSX now. And that was Tim Probert going a lap down to both Dan Goldberg and Bijoy Garg. And that's allowed Antonio Serravale just to close in a tiny bit as he comes through that same traffic at the moment. They're going through turn 11, off towards Tower Turn, and there's another group of, what, half a dozen or seven GSX cars. Now, with a bit of luck, the leader, who'll be being talked to on his radio here, Greg, and they'll be saying, look, you've got a big group of cars ahead. Get past as many as you can on the Ullman Strait and down to Turn 1. Absolutely. I mean, that's the obviously the best place to be able to do it. And, you know, you think about it here. You've got some great passing zones here. Turn 17, you can make a pass, but it all comes down to your exit out of 16, right? But into 7, into 10, those are really good overtaking areas, but you've got to get the runs out of out of the preceding corners. We saw what happens. You make a little mistake in, in that preceding corner. You're just a sitting duck. So there's a lot that they're sort of chewing on right now, and I want to see. That was Leia Fouge just went by. Monstrous lead. Wait, wait, just keep waiting. Yeah, yeah. Read a chapter here we go. There, Greg. There There's go. Carrazzo. There's <laughs> Wilmot, and it's that close. Uh, then the lap car, the 59 of Luca Mars. So he's up there and playing with him, but I believe he's down a lap at this point. But Saraville, he got really caught out in traffic. Didn't and he? there's the 73 going through our leader. So yeah. Goldberg not that far away from that battle at the moment. Gregory Leofosh, though, just doing a splendid job for Stephen Cameron Racing. He's decided he's not going to get caught out like he was last time. Now, the question for him will now be, how much of the tyre has he used, particularly the front tyre, with 16 minutes on the nose to go? Goes green from here. I think he can probably manage it. He was doing pretty well on that. The gap was ebbing and flowing, but I think he was holding on without that last race caution. I think he would have had the race in race one. Of course, that's not how it goes in racing, and you don't get to choose. And when it's a safety issue and there's a big piece of metal laying out on the circuit, there's no choice whatsoever than to do what happened. Race control very, very quickly on that. And they did get that cleared, thanks again to the corner workers uh, and the 
uh, track services. That was cleared to get us back to green for a green flag finish. Now, that didn't suit uh, Gregory Leofuge, but, you know, one man's meat, etc., etc. Uh, that was great, great news, uh, wasn't it, for Luca Mars, who's uh, back out again after being in the pit, but we've lost, remember, Scott Neal, Courtney, Courtney Crone, after a good qualifying performance in the 47 Motorsports to Kane. Looks like Angus Rogers has pitted as well and not yet returned to the action in the number five KMW Motorsports with TMR Engineering Porsche. Those are the guys who run the Alfa Romeo in the... The Giulietta, beautiful little black livery car uh, and uh, something a little bit different in TCR in the Michelin uh, Pilots Challenge. We'll see them later on in the week back in what I would consider their, uh, their, normal, uh, their normal grounds of, of running that TCR car. But nice to see them running a GT4 car. Does that mean perhaps they're going to step up? In Michelin Pilot Challenge, well, we'll find out. Well, run a two-car team, one in the uh, in the uh, GS class, uh, obviously expanding uh, their program a little bit. And uh, you know, they the one thing that they have become adept at is they find really good-looking cars. Oh yes, and make them fast because that that alpha they run in that in that class is just stunning, uh, both in terms of pace but also just aesthetically. And I like the fact that it's something different. That's the nice thing about TCR. Yeah. There's so many different uh, categories. Some of these drivers will have run, uh, like Frank Depew, is a, in multi-class racing where they were the big dogs. The GS are the big dogs normally. I think we got a lead change, John. I think we have Bijoy Garg has gone around on Goldberg and picked that up. Nice run down into turn seven, and BJ just absolutely deep on the brakes, slides through, and now we'll see what he's going to be able to do in terms of opening up a bit of a gap. He's pulled out 10 cars lengths between the exit of, of seven and before he got to the braking area of 10. They disappear from our side behind the trees for a moment, and I picked them up going up into turn 13. Let's see how he's doing. Yeah, he's still he's pulling away. He is pulling away, and that was the worry for the rest of the prototype drivers. So Dan Goldberg now in a fairly sensible second position. He's got a second and a half on Antonio Saravale. So Saravale was closing in on that pair. He'd brought the lead down from nearly three seconds to just over two, and now that uh, Bijoy Garg has pulled away to the, uh, to the tone of eight-tenths of a second in not even half a lap, well, that means the gap between second and third is down to 1.3 seconds, Greg. Saravale maybe has played the tie game with a dozen minutes still to go. I think that could be, and I, I think part of that gap was he. I, it looked like he may have parked Goldberg a little bit, uh, got him trapped on the outside when he made the pass in seven. And we talked about it. Seven's one of those runs where you've got to get out of it really you know, well because it's a fairly long run up into Cunningham, so that's maybe where that gap happened. thing that I'm going to be watching here now is did Goldberg in leading – push those tires a yeah. little too hard in this heat and does Cervale now have something to come back after when they came by here it didn't look like it yet nine tenths of a second the gap between first and second as they went past the leader in the GSX category the Stephen Cameron racing the bright orange and blue BMW G82 M4 GT4 his lead now a barely believable 13 and a half seconds and then a second and a half from Sebastian Carrazzo 
in a rather lonely second. Back to Patrick Milmot, who put his best lap of the race in last time around. So he is finding some pace in that split decision motorsports BMW F82 GT4. Then Oretsky, then Quinlan, Frank Depew uh, in sixth now has dropped that position uh, of fifth to Sean Quinlan, but still sitting inside the top half dozen. But that's a cracking scrap. Quinlan, Depew, and Rob Walker battling for fifth, sixth, and seventh, and there's barely a second between all three of them. Yeah, we've got great battles throughout the uh, uh, the uh, pack here in multiple different positions, and that's it's another great thing about this type of series is even if you're not battling for the podium, you're going to get in a good scrap. And remember, part of the idea for this is uh, as a training ground for drivers that want to advance up. That's why we've got a group of young drivers uh, that are using it to learn and grow and other drivers that just like this type of racing. They're happy to be here, uh, but it's, it's all experience. And, you know, if you're out front or if you're running fifth or sixth and you're in a GT car and a couple of prototypes come through, you're going to learn from that experience. Well, and, and as I was saying just before the lead change, we have got GSX drivers here who've been the big dogs yeah. because they've been the top class in Mission and Pilot Challenge, passing the TCR cars. What they're not used to is having those prototypes coming around them. And if they're going to jump up into, uh, into WeatherTech, they're going to need to learn those skills. It, I've been talking a lot in the paddock for our WEC shows to drivers where we are talking about people coming into WEC and learning the skill of being passed Mm -hmm. because that's just as important, Greg. You've seen enough multi-class racing to know that's just as important, maybe more important than doing the passing. Well, being passed requires discipline and a little bit of patience. That's not, you know, that's often anathema to what a racing driver is all about. You know, but the worst thing you could do when you're getting passed is is try to race the guy to the apex because you're thinking, I don't want to lose ground. (laughs) And it's better to just lift that little bit tucked right in behind that car that's uh, that's coming by you might lose a half a tenth there but you're going to lose a lot less when you're than when you're both parked at the apex and roll through that corner and then maybe get a little toe off the guy to make that tenth or a little bit more up Uh, it's an art it is an art and you know it's interesting the guys that started in gt racing that then moved into top level prototype racing I've always watched them, and they tend to be some of the very best at passing because they understand two things. One, you know, the guy that they're coming up on, all right, he's a guy that I can trust who knows what he's doing. And two, when you make your move for the pass, be decisive. And when you're getting passed, don't fight it. Just tuck in. You know, when it's different classes, there's no point to it. Nine minutes to go in round four, the second of the weekend here. Round four of IMSA VP Racing Sports Car Challenge. Hello to Tom Marshallek, who's tuned in on IMSA Radio, enjoying this second of the two races today. Hello to all of you around the circuit, whether you're setting up or whether you have set yourself down for an afternoon of WEC Prologue. We'll have full coverage of the WEC on RS1 next week from Wednesday. Check RadioLamont.com for the live schedule. Every session live, free, unblocked and uninterrupted through to complete another lap and the fastest lap of the race goes to Antonio Saravale so has the Muller Motorsports driver in that Duquesne has he timed it right he's dropped to three seconds away from the leader and about a second and a half from second but he's lapping four tenths 
quicker than second and half a second faster than the leader. Is this race in the last eight minutes coming to Saravale? Well, he may have just preserved those tires a little bit better, and we'll see what's going to happen. It's a you know, it's right now. Bijoy's got a sizable gap uh, back to Goldberg in second, and then Saravale. They're heading down into turn seven, uh, but tire management. It's a forty-five minute race. You may think, well, uh, we could just go you know hammer them. Uh, y- you can't even a tire that's as brilliant as as these Michelins. You can't just pace them lap after lap. You've got to give them a little bit of thought here and manage them. And maybe that's what Saravali did. You know, he's got experience as we talked about in Indy Lights and in Indy Pro Series racing. And these prototypes, in a way, sort of react like those cars. Quite so, uh, you know, that's something that uh, is going to help him with experience. Still, that fabulous lead held in GSX by Gregory Leofuge. Now 15 seconds, two seconds uh, from Sebastian Carrazzo to Patrick Wilmot. So that's just calmed down a little bit. Another two seconds back from Pat down to Moise Aretsky. He's got five between himself and Sean Quinlan. He's got just a second and a half from Frank Depew, who's got only now half a second between himself and Rob Walker as he tries to hold on to a top six position. It's Todd Coleman, Tim Probert and Francis Zeltoff who... Uh, completed the top 10 in GSX as we're coming into the last probably four laps. The leader goes through under our feet and rumbles down to turn one. Oh, and Francis Seldorf just got the nose underneath Probert down into seven, the Turner BMW, uh, that yellow car and that orange glitter car uh, that is being run by Probert and Seldorf is there he's hunting him he's worked on him a couple of times that was the first time he just got a nose inside wasn't enough uh, but now Probert knows he's there and uh, you know that's going to be critical and you know as for Leah Foge I think he's just decided to totally ignore that that savvy bit of advice uh, that Bill Murray gave in a movie uh, don't drive angry and Leah Foge after that first race. That's what you know. You know that's what happens when you have a very experienced, talented driver driving angry. They focus that red mist. I, I like the fact you say that because he 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 lost the race in the first race. Then he had a horrible first lap <laughs> when he was avoiding what was going on ahead of him in the prototype field. And he's basically since then the afterburners have come on and he's driven. He's been focused, but uh, the maybe the red mist has helped him a little bit. Uh, new fastest lap at the front of the race. Bijoy Garg has responded. To to Saravale, who is now in second place. So Saravale has found some time. Dan Goldberg has had an issue. He spun at turn seven under pressure. And Goldberg now, championship leader, finds himself 10, make that 11 seconds behind Saravale. So Saravale with clear road, decent tyres, set the fastest lap one lap ago. But that's been reset by the leader in the Junior 3 Racing Ligier. Bijoy Garg now holds just a 1.8 seconds lead as they go across the timing line, heading onto the Ullman straight. They'll come round in front of us. There's been more traffic there, and that's what's held up the leader, I'm fairly certain. It was the, uh, I think it was the number 17 of Will Vax for BGB Motorsports in the Porsche, who was just in the wrong place at the wrong time going through the Jean de Bian bends. There's the leaders going through. Well, and that's where I think Saravalli, his learning curve is going to go up in a hurry here because, he, you know, what does he run? Indy Pro, Indy Lights? That's single class. Yeah. There's no multi-class in there. Uh, so now 
understanding how to make passes on different types of cars that have different braking points, different turn-in approaches. That's why I call multi-class racing high-speed chess because the pieces move differently, and you've got to be able to think ahead a bit and judge that. Ramid Abdul Wahabi has had a spin as well. That's a shame. He was running very well in the Aston Martin from Automatic Racing. That's another turn seven incident. Plenty of action down there through goes the Sean Creech Motorsport. Lance Wilsey, fourth place got now some 55 0 seconds away from the front of the field. Check that 40 seconds, but even so. And wait for Brian Thames to come round. He's another 10 seconds further back. So Bishoy Garg has spread this field, Greg, and he's pulling away from a quality field. The only person holding on to it at the moment, Sarah Vallet for Mulder Motorsports. So it's Leisure versus Duquesne. Bishoy Garg versus Antonio Saravale. We're into the last three minutes. Maybe two more laps after this one, keeping an eye on the starter stand right opposite. Where are they at the moment? They're just coming on to the Ullman straight behind us, effectively, passing the entry to the WEC pit lane, remember, over the far side of the track. Down now to under three minutes. Time running out for Saravali at the front of the field. And for Brian Thienes, you talked about he's running fifth right now. That's where he finished in the first race. Remember, he had two seconds at Daytona, he came in here second in the points and not too far off of Goldberg. Well, with Bijoy up front, who was third in the points, mm. uh, that that's going to really pack up. And uh, this, this championship at the front is going to be pretty interesting when we depart here. Still to come this year on the 2023 IMSA VP Racing Sports Car Challenge, Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. That's next in July. Lime Rock Park also in the end of July. August, it's at Virginia International Raceway, that green and pleasant land. And then we finish off with the Motul Patila Mon Weekend Michelin Raceway, Road Atlanta. That is the 11th to 14th of October this year. It'll be white flag next time around for the leaders who have a huge, huge gaggle of traffic ahead of them as they're going down into turn seven. And on the other, in the other category, in the GSX category, uh, it looks right now as though Sebastian Carrazzo has been able to open things up. But the last spot on the podium, John, is under huge contest as Patrick Wilmot, again, in that older uh, chassis, he may have used the tires up and the 44 of Yuretsky is all wow. over him right now, coming out of turn 16 onto the Ullman straight. This is going to be fascinating to see uh, how that plays out when they get down there. Leaders carving through traffic at the moment. Samir Gandhi in the Porsche. There was a Ford Mustang in there. I think that was Billy Griffin that they're going through as well. Jim Farley's in that little group as well for Multimatic Motorsports. The man who has the big desk at Ford Motor Company. That's the number 98. That's the number 98 Mustang, of course. They're picking their way through. It will be white flag this time around as the battle for second and third goes through in GSX. So they've got this lap and one more, remember. I'm immediately taken back to 2007 when the GT2, as it was, category there, just didn't get lapped by Marco Werner for Audi. And then we had that brilliant finish between Jamie Mello and Jörg Bergmeister, in the, respectively, in the Porsche and the Ferrari. Here comes the leader. White flag is out. It is pointed at that number three car. B. Joy Garg, Junior 3 Racing, 
And has he pulled out a little bit? He has. 2.8 yeah, yes. seconds. He's worked that traffic to his advantage. Doesn't always happen for the leader, Greg. No, sometimes it's easier to follow somebody through. But for Bjoy, uh, obviously picked his way through beautifully. And if you can use it, if you're the first guy in, the option that you have is to use it as a pick a little bit and try and park the guy who's pursuing you. And uh, he may have been able to execute that. You know, it, it's one of the oldest adages in racing is traffic giveth and then traffic oh, yeah. taketh away. And uh, so far it's been good to Bjoy. Now, meantime, that battle for the final step on the box going through turn 12 and up to tower turn. We're talking about the numbers 88, Patrick Wilmot in the split decision BMW versus the Aston Martin Vantage GT4 accelerating performance team and Moise Oretsky. It's the number 44. So 88 and 44, it's easy to note. Once twice as big as the other one's half as small as the foot doesn't matter it, they're coming through to Jean de Bianbens now and heading on to Ullman <laughs> straight for their penultimate time they have not yet seen the white flag half a lap to go though for Bijoy Garg and this as Greg Kramer absolutely rightly said is going to make this championship so close when we head to the next round at Canadian Time Motorsport Park in July amazing that this has come together the way it has and the drivers who were third have moved up the drivers who were first have moved down this is going to tidy things up and unofficially things are going to be very tight indeed white flag for that battle for third and fourth there they went through and now the checkered flag is in the left hand of our start line marshal and that's the vp racing checkered flag of course and here comes the checkered flag and bijoy goes through to make that two victories for the weekend saravali is five seconds away at the end i think he lifted off there was no sense in throwing away a good second place there, Greg, through that traffic. Dan Goldberg will be ruining that spin at turn seven. He's dropped one place and therefore he will lose some championship points. Now, has he done enough to keep the championship lead? That's the question. He's had a second and a third to go with his two wins from Daytona. So it is going to be mightily close when we come out of this weekend. In GSX, we are still waiting. Gregory Leofood's just managed not to get lapped. Actually, he could have lifted off, to be honest. He was about maybe 30, 40 yards ahead of the leader. But he wants to do this one as a bit of a victory lap. And why shouldn't he? He's earned this one. Boy, hasn't he? <laughs> uh, you know, once he got to the front, he had that, that bad start, got bottled up somewhere, ended up in fifth, and just relentlessly picked his way to the front. And once he got there, it was... You know, obviously he said, I, I'm just going to check out. I don't yeah. want to be part of any battle. And one of the reasons you might do that is when you're multi-class racing, you get into other traffic, you want to have a little bit of gap so that yeah. you can back off if you need to and not take big risk. So just waiting for him to come around. He's got a couple of cars ahead of him who go on to the checkered flag. And there goes Gregory Leofitch. Now, we'll wait a bit. We'll read another chapter of War and Peace. <laughs> On the Kindle, other e-readers are available as we wait for Sebastian Carrazzo, who's had a decent points tally this weekend for Kelly Moss with mm -hmm. Riley. Former Porsche Cup winner and runner, of course. There he is. There he goes through, running a Porsche 718. Now, there's Patrick Wilmot. 
And Moisey Oreski was right with him. Half a second just at the end there. Sean Quinlan will come through in fifth. And I think Frank Depew is going to get that elusive top six finish. He does. Great ride by Frank. Great to see that. Uh, I'll tell you, I I thought we might see uh, a Moisey really make a huge dive down into 17. He was that close and just couldn't quite get it done. Uh, but just a great run by him as well. And, uh, you know, for announcers, that kind of graphics on the cart, we like that. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. they just stand Bright out. as you like. Well, Greg, that's been a decent uh, couple of races here. Always a lot of pressure on the drivers when there's two races in the same day. I think they've all behaved in both classes. They've behaved impeccably. There was There's a little bit of work for the, uh, for the stewards to do after this race with a couple of um, investigations of those early incidents. But generally speaking, Greg, you'll be happy with that if you've uh, gone away with a handful of points at the weekend. You've had a bit of fun. And uh, we've enjoyed looking at it. Absolutely. I mean, this is a series, we're talking about it. It's on the grow. We're seeing the numbers go. And I think it's because it's a great training ground. Other drivers come into it. They just love this type of racing. And, uh, you know, having that opportunity at an IMSA event to have one driver get in the car and no pit stops, just get after it and do a true sprint race, uh, I think it's just it, it's wonderful. Huge thanks, obviously, to VP Racing Fuels uh, for coming up uh, with the uh, entitlement sponsorship to help drive this forward. And it's exciting. And speaking of driving forward, I'm heading over to Victory Circle. Oh, yes, you must do. Greg, absolute pleasure having you in the Global Broadcast Centre. Greg Kramer joining me, John Hindhoff. And we'll be back with more IMSA VP Racing Sports Car Challenge coverage from Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. It's the weekend of July the 7th to the 9th. It's part of the IMSA WeatherTech weekend up there. Thanks to Tim Gray for working his magic back in London. To everyone on site here and particularly uh, to the excellent... uh, uh, the excellent uh, work that's been done by the Sebring Techs and the IMSA Techs to get us on the PA and to be able to speak to the world. I'm John Hindoff. That was rounds three and four of the IMSA VP Racing Sports Car Challenge. We'll see you next week for some live coverage from WEC. Uh, this week, rather, for some live coverage of WEC and IMSA. It all starts on Thursday. Check the schedules at imsaradio.com and radiolamont.com for all of our live free broadcasts. It automatically changes to your browser time. And given that we've just sprung forward an hour here in the States, that might help you out. For now, from Sebring, bye-bye. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, check imsaradio.com and subscribe to IMSA Radio wherever you get your podcasts.